Welcome back to Sylvania Gals. Hello, we're back. I'm Margaret. I'm Bridget. And we're the Sylvania Gals. And this week we have another guest. Yeah, um, I feel like we haven't had a guest in a while. Well, maybe we did. I don't know. Well, I don't know what order you're putting them in, so... But uh, but we have a special guest today. Yeah, first non-family member guest. Yes, yes. And he's he's here with us in person. Would you like to introduce it's yourself? Ethan. So, yeah, my boyfriend, Ethan. Welcome to the sh- podcast, Ethan. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, try and project yeah, your you voice. Yeah, you got to project a little bit. I'm glad so, to be there here. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're really glad to be here. Yeah, like I mean it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. So you... Are in college. I am. I, um, go to, I go to RIT. Yeah. You made, what's your major, current major? Uh, I was uh, mechanical engineering for three semesters, and I switched to robotics and manufacturing engineering technology. Yeah. Kind of a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why don't we start with wh- why you picked RIT? I think that's kind of interesting in itself. I picked RIT because um, there was this guy in our township um, who was known as the college guy. And uh, you pay him in Klondike bars. He didn't accept payment. He, he accepted payment only in the form of Klondike bars. And uh, Really? Yeah. And uh, I told him I was into woodworking, and the first thing he suggested was RIT because they have one of the best furniture design programs in the world. Mm-hmm. So I originally was going to go there for furniture design, but then realized you don't really make money in life with hand planes and chisels. So I went mechanical engineering instead, hoping that it would later in life afford me the expensive hobby of woodworking. Right. Um, but then quickly realized that mechanical engineering was way more math and not enough hands-on for me. So then I changed to something more hands-on. You like working with your hands. I do. It's yeah. a must. So what was the COVID experience like on a college campus for you? Yes. Uh, you were in person. I was in person both semesters. It was about the same. I didn't really experience a full spring semester until this year, um, but fall semester was pretty much the same. Same as um, well, same as non-COVID. That's because you don't really do much social stuff. I feel like it's nice. It's true though. It's yeah, true. I don't. I don't party at all. Uh, yeah, it's just spending time in the shop. Yeah. Well, 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 wait a minute. Your class. All your classes were in person. Uh, some were online. Some were in person. The ones that were in person, there were less people in the classroom. Obviously, you know, we're all distanced, and everyone had to wear a mask. Uh, so that's not the same. No, it's not the same, but, like, the concept was the, the, concept was the same, you know. Still, right. in, still in classes. And you spend a lot of time in the shop. I do. So what do you do in the shop? Tell us about what you're doing in the shop. The um, shop. What is the shop and what you're the doing shop, there? The uh, shop is the machine shop. I'm on the Formula SAE team on campus, and every year we build a, a Formula race car about two-thirds the size of an F1 car. And um, on the team, I'm their CNC manufacturing lead, so I make... Um, almost all the parts that aren't done manually on a manual mill or lathe. Um, so that tends to be all the very complex parts. What percent of the car do you think you make? Uh, metallic parts, I think I make, geez, I don't want to sound arrogant. I think I make 75% of the metallic parts on the car. Well, there are other CNC people, right? No, I'm the only one. I thought you had a, you had a under... Yeah, I'm training this, this one girl. Yeah, so she helps. Well, she hasn't done anything yet. It's just been like training how to program and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not making the engine. Oh uh, well, it's a it's an electric car, but we do build the battery. But I don't I don't do any of that. 
Oh, it's an electric car. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Totally. Are they all electric? The uh, we we so our cars are numbered one through at this point thirty, um, and and cars one through uh, or years one through twenty five. We built a combustion car each year, and then F twenty five, F twenty six, and F twenty seven year we built a combustion car and electric car. And then F28 year, which was my freshman year, we built an electric car only. And then right. didn't finish it, so it rolled over into this year. So you're not building the motor? Uh, no, we, we get a, a motor from a company to sponsor. Right. And so did you did you know how to work this CNC machine before going to RIT, or did you um, teach yourself? I, I, had, I had some experience from high school robotics, um, doing a little bit of programming and operating and some machining, but nothing as intense as this. So how'd you learn it all? Uh, mostly teaching myself, YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, Instagram. I learn a lot on Instagram, actually. Mm, right. Yeah. And, and your podcast helps with, with your favorite podcast? Within Tolerance. Yes, I like Within Tolerance. I thought you were going to be a guest on Within Tolerance. Yeah, I, I hope to be in the next month or so. Oh, oh so really? this is good practice. You, this, yeah, yeah I guess so. Dual podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. So you're uh, actually when this by the time this podcast, by the time this airs, you'll probably be back from your formula. Yeah. Um, competition. competition. Yeah. Yep. How, how do you expect the car to do though? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. We have an issue in our battery with our relays. They can they continually um, they keep welding um, welding shut. Oh. Yeah. Because it's too so hot. hot? No, it's switch? not. No, it's. it's I mean, I don't want to speak about something I know almost nothing about, but um, something I think something in our discharge circuit isn't functioning properly, and the relays in, in the in the accumulator keep welling. That's mm. my understanding. Mm. Okay, so what should we talk about next? Uh, um, let's talk about high school. Yeah, your high school. You went to kind of a I, I don't know, kind of a semi-famous high school for these parts. Yeah. I think yeah. it's pretty well known. Um, yeah. It's huge. It's huge, and How it's Kobe you? Bryant's high school. It is Kobe Bryant's Kobe. Kobe. I thought it's Kobe. Is it Kobe? Oh, it's Kobe. 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 Yeah, that's the Japanese city. It's Kobe. Okay, Kobe Bryant. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we all know Yeah, I went to Lower Marion High School. Yeah, it was... I think it's held pretty highly. There are definitely some crazy people um, and some crazy stories. So did it? does it deserve its name? I think it does, but... What do you but, mean by deserve its name? Like, does, I guess, deserve its reputation, I should D- say. Deserve its reputation. As a good high school. As a good, yeah. A very good public high school. Right. But that's not to say that there weren't some crazy people there. But presumably, this high school has tons of opportunities to get involved in a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, really? I, I think that's what... Like, yeah. what's, yeah. what's there that wouldn't be other places? Yeah, like, well, you tell us what's there that... Uh, what's there that wouldn't be in other places? I mean, I squash. Mean, not too much. Yeah, squash, that's true. I was on the squash team for three years, three out of the four years. Uh, I'd say the activities themselves were pretty standard. Yeah. From high school to high school. Well, the robotics, I mean, your high school also had robotics, Bridget, but I don't think all high schools can support that level. Yeah, of... and your your robotics team was really good. Mm. I mean... We did good. We did, we did well two out of the four years I was there. Mm. I also was kind of working with one of the art teachers there in establishing a makerspace. I was kind of the first student to help with that. Really? Which was cool, yeah. 
it's it's pretty limited because in high school, when in, especially in a public school, um, you're not. I mean, you're paying to be there, but you're not like paying the school to be there. They can't really let you use all those power tools um, without a really rigorous safety course. So it, it, I think for its entire existence, that makerspace will be quite limited um, in what it can offer students. Well, why are you allowed to use the power tools in robotics? Um, well, because there aren't like table saws and jointers there, the very dangerous machines. It's just like band saws and chop saws and stuff like that. Yeah, but you're, you're, you had an engineering teacher, right? I did. Which isn't something most high schools have. Yeah. I mean, he was like the tech ed teacher. But he, he, he taught, um, like, foundations of design, um, or a little VEX robotics class, taught yeah. a CAD class. Most high schools don't have that. Okay. Yeah, I think the fact that it's a... Uh, I mean, it's a big high school, right? It's a yeah, big, well-supported uh, high school. Yeah, 1,200 kids. Yeah. yeah. The fact that it's both big and kind of well-supported, um, yeah. I think that gives you more opportunities there that are going to be at a smaller high school or a less wealthy high school. <laughs> and oh. We'll, oh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to ask about playing sports. You actually played sports at this did, yeah. kind yeah. of prestigious high school for sports, especially since it had such a famous <laughs> yeah. um, sports figure. But you didn't play basketball. You played baseball. I played baseball in freshman freshman year. I don't think I even tried out sophomore year, or maybe I did and didn't make the team, but after that I didn't because the, the baseball culture at that school was quite toxic, and it, I think the baseball culture in general is pretty toxic. Oh, really? Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Because like, there, there are like the very wealthy kids whose, whose dads pay for them to go play, play baseball in Florida in the right. summer, and like most of them are not even that good. I wanted to stay out of that scene, but I, I, I did play squash for... Um, three years in high school, all of middle school, and in fifth grade as well. But you didn't really like the culture in squash either, right? No, I, I, I liked it. I just, um, I liked robotics more. So senior year, I just did robotics and not squash. Yeah. So is there actually a squash league? You, like, you play other yeah, schools so, and so stuff? Yeah, so there isn't, the team isn't large enough to have one team for Lower Marion and one for Harrington, which is Lower Marion's, like, sister school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a joint team. And there's a, a boys and girls varsity and JV, so four teams. Mm. Um, right. And yeah, they try do. out tryouts. Yeah. I think I would like squash. Yeah. I like yeah, I think you should try it. Yeah. I think well, it's so like hard to it's try. It's a very fast-paced sport. Yeah. yeah, you need the court. You need the court, and like you need someone to play with. Also, like you can practice by yourself. Oh, really? Yeah, you can. Unlike tennis, which you can't practice by yourself. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, getting the courts, I know. Well, most schools have them, though. What about most, a racket? There were a couple kids at, yeah. at um, LM who had courts at their house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, now that's something you don't hear at yeah. AC every day. I've never, I've, never, I I've never heard of that and someone having a squash court at yeah. their house. A Certainly court. a tennis court or even a basketball court or a swimming pool. But yeah. yeah, that's something. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and especially but, at, like, Baldwin and all the really rich preppy schools. Plenty of squash court houses there. Baldwin. Yeah. Agnes Irwin. Yeah. Definitely there. Yeah. So. Well, nice. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll get an opportunity to play squash. So, anyway, you got um, really into woodworking. I did. And um, 
So, uh, so how did this? I mean, you are such. We I've seen some of your stuff. <laughs> you're Even, like you're like like a fan girl of his work. I am. <laughs> like you love it. Oh, well, I, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Actually. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, so, yeah, like, I, I, is, is there a thing? Is, there must be such a thing as a master woodworker. Yeah, I think there is. I don't think I'm a master woodworker. I don't, uh, yeah, but, I mean, is that something that you'll see yourself as someday? Is, um, how, what do you have to do to be a master woodworker? Well, I, I think, like, there are concepts in woodworking that apply to all the different fields of woodworking. But, like, being a master at building boxes and maybe, like, chairs and tables like I do at work um, a lot of that won't apply to like making instruments making violins and guitars yeah um, because like in in the table world you're probably spraying everything with like an epoxy finish on the end to make it matte or glossy but then in the instrument world you'll maybe apply like 15 or 20 coats of finish before you're satisfied you know and you probably make your own finish too like boil, boil your own ingredients and stuff like that. Um, so I think there's really no way for one person to master all of woodworking. Um, right. Which is why you see like some people are world-renowned furniture makers and some people are world-renowned instrument makers. Right. So I guess there's no like um, certification out there for the woodworking group. You, you, like, can, you can go to very respected schools like the North Bennett Street School in Boston. And that will that will get you quite a few jobs and woodworking if you go there. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to go there. You had no interest in that. I would have gone there if I knew that it would have provided a stable future. See, I don't get why you're saying that. You could you could like just I people live off of woodworking like that's yeah. like it's, you're it's able to do though. that. It's tough because you need to establish a shop and get expensive machines. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, hand tools. Unless you're very good and your work is very expensive. Um, hand tools are not the best way to make a living. Yeah, I guess you do need those. Yeah, I mean, most people... I mean, your stuff is beautiful, but most stuff, people are, are being mass-produced. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. most we've, things we've, are uh, built by machines. Yeah. We've, we've got, a like, a belt sander at, at the place I work. I work for this guy named Paul, um, Paul Downs Cabinet Makers, and we make conference tables for... Fortune 500 companies all around the world. And um, we've got one belt sander in the shop that's worth, I think, like a quarter of a million dollars. So it, it's a real barrier to entry. Well, how did he start? He, um, just... he, he started in 1986. Um, actually, only like five minutes from, from where I lived up until a couple days ago when my parents moved. Um, Aww. Yeah. And he started off with a couple guys... Um, I think doing a lot of hand, hand cut joinery and fine furniture like that, and then slowly hired more people and hired engineers and started getting into digital manufacturing. So he started with hand. Tools. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He started with hand work. Now, now very few parts of the table aren't done on a machine. You know, like they're cut on the big CNC router and they're, they're sanded on the the automated belt sander. We'll cut the edges on a electronic saw and then we'll sand everything with a power sander spray everything with a spray finisher that's powered by a compressor and and you mentioned instrument making which I've never heard you mention before so um, 
that's kind of another area of woodwork, and but you don't have ex- direct experience in making instruments. Um, you- my my ninth grade biology teacher, who was the best teacher I ever had, and I'm trying to get in contact with him, but I can't. I can't. Um, Shout out to Ethan's ninth grade biology yeah. teacher. I mean, he was he was really good. <laughs> yeah, I can't find him uh, anywhere on social media. All the yeah. teachers that I've emailed don't have his contact. So, so why was he so like meaningful to you, or why did you have such a good relationship? You just talked about woodworking together. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we never did any woodworking together, but he made violins and would always bring them into class to show us, and I always thought that was super cool. And he brought in all sorts of demos, like when he was demonstrating the the surface area to volume ratio concept. He brought in a block of wood and a trash bag of wood shavings that he made with a couple hand planes. And he like showed us this big block is not going to soak up all the wood, but all the wood shavings will. Because mm. even though they have roughly the same volume as the big block of wood, they have like more thousands of times more surface area. And so they'll pick up a lot more water. I'm sure you loved that example. Yeah. Okay, what, about, what are the differences between um, the formula and the machining and the woodworking? Like, do you like which... Do you, that's a good question. How, how, which one do you like better, or do you like them equally? They're, they're very different, because in woodworking, if you make something too small, you can usually, if it's just a little bit too small, you can like get it wet and then use an iron and steam it out, and the wood will expand, and then you're back in business. But in mm-hmm. machining, you take off like 50 millionths of an inch off too much, and your part's scrapped, and there's nothing you can do about it. And, you like um, that though. You're like, I, I you do, love I do. tolerances. I do. I love tolerances. Yeah. Um, however, people underestimate my ability to work out of tolerance. I like making things like it's fun for me to work very precisely in 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 millions or t- or ten millionths of an inch increments for mm-hmm. um, I guess precision. Um, but I love like freehanding things on the bandsaw and making a racket around in the shop, mm, just yeah. screwing around. Yeah. Um, but the difference. I guess woodworking is much more intimate and um, hmm. very handsy, if you will. Yeah. Um, everything's everything's manual except for like a couple machines, um, and even still, you're feeding the work in and you're looking at how it comes out of the machine. And uh, in, in machining, you're just slapping a big piece of material in a in a vise, clamping the crap out of it, and hogging away on it with a, with a big cutter, um, which is which is nice because it's kind of cool to watch these tools just tear through these aerospace alloys. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you want to do machine. You like machining better, is what I'm. What I've heard yeah. from you. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Well, you program the CNC machine to cut it the way you want. Yeah, is my understanding. Yeah, but you so don't program a woodworking machine. Or you make, get, well, there are CNC I, machines for wood. Yeah, I was just but that's wondering what he's about saying. That. You do it yourself. The computer doesn't do it. Right, right. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, CNC machining for wood and metal, like you still program and operate them the same. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But uh, like woodworking, like CNC machining, you're not, you can't just like make me something that I can use. Like woodworking, you can like make furniture and stuff around the yeah. house. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can make utilitarian items. Like I made those knobs for my car. On a CNC. Oh, right. I didn't like how small and slippery the volume knobs on my car were, so I machined some knobs that slip over them, and yeah. those, those are functional items. I mean, yeah. You <laughs> can make a phone case. Yeah, I can make a phone yeah, case. Can, I mean, I need a phone case. Yeah. You, a metal phone case? I mean, that wouldn't work too well, because it wouldn't be flexible. Yeah. 
But working with wood is warmer, I guess you could say. Is. Ooh, that's a that's good, a good way imagery. Of putting it. More intimate. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, cool. We didn't talk too much about how you really got into this woodworking thing. I mean, you've yeah. talked about it with me in the past, but um, why don't you explain again how you kind of, uh, okay. and, and how you got so good at it. Like, okay. was there, I'm wondering if there's like a specific point in your kind of middle school years or whatever where you said, this is something I really want to do. Yeah, so I've always been really um, hands-on. Um, I loved Legos as a kid. I still have Legos. As a matter of fact, I'm moving up to Rochester um, to live in an apartment with three of my friends, and I'm bringing two boxes of Legos to mess around with um, as a 20-year-old. But uh, so my parents found these two um, women who have this business um, called the Camp Finders, or maybe the Camp Ladies, and you basically send them um, a list of things you're interested in, and then they send you a list of camps that they think you'd be interested in. And one of them was a camp in New Hampshire called Bean. Um, and this camp is about 100 kids. It might have grown since I last was there, but it was 100 kids or so when I was there. And uh, uh, each summer they build two projects, each project taking one month to build. And um, in the winter time, they send out a query to architects and engineers and artists all around the world um, to submit project ideas for this camp-wide um, building experience and eventually they narrow down the thousands of entries down to one and that designer or engineer gets to come to camp and for a month build the thing with all the campers uh, which was actually a really cool experience because we got to meet cool people um, and how old are the campers generally yeah. uh between nine and 16 or 17 i think mm. so how old were you i was 12 and i was 12 and 13 when i was there. yeah so my first year, we built a raft that was powered by a human-sized um, hamster wheel, which was really cool. You, mm. could, you could get in there and run like a hamster. Um, and there, there were also some manual paddles that you could turn, um, but it was held up. It was probably 15 feet by 25 feet, and it was resting on a couple 55-gallon drums um, full of air and floated on those, and then the hamster wheel powered it. So, like, the whole camp builds the same thing. Yeah, everyone works on this with, one project. With the designer who, with designer designer who won the competition. Cool. So you yeah. can actually make something, like, actually really cool, not just... Yeah, know, yeah, and then that was, that was like, I'd say half the day or three-quarters of the day. And then there was also a couple hours at the end of the day um, where you could do anything on camp. You could go to the workshop and make stuff, or you could go, I don't know, in the woods and walk around with some counselors, or you could go play sports. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I learned a lot there. And so I, I came home from that camp and was super excited to build stuff at home. And then I came home and realized all my dad had was a couple of drills, a circular saw and a junkie miter saw. Um, sorry, Dad, if you're listening. <laughs> but it's, it is junky. Um, and so I started asking them to buy tools because I, I was 12 and didn't have any money. And they bought me a router and a router table. And um, then I bought a couple little hand tools and stuff like that and um, just started practicing. And looking back on my first projects, they were absolutely horrible and almost nothing good about them. So Um, your parents kind of bought you these expensive tools, which were like saws. Aren't they sort of like a little dangerous for a 12-year-old? Yes, that was a a concern they had. Um, 
some of the tools are safer than others. Um, with the router table, that spinning bit, it is spinning at like 35,000 RPM, but it's, it's buried behind a fence. And the only way you could really touch it is if you like really stuck your hand in there. Um, the table saw was a, was a big step. For the first month or two when we got it, my dad asked that he be down there in the workshop while I was using it. Um, and that, when he realized that I was competent enough to use it, then uh, he trusted me. Um, the first table saw I had was this Delta saw, and it wasn't very safe uh, in retrospect, but then in my summer after my sophomore year of high school, um, we bought this saw stop saw, which um, stops on contact with flesh, I think within five milliseconds. Mm. Um, it's a very safe saw. I mean, as safe as a table saw can be. Um, and so that, mm -hmm. that made him a lot more comfortable. Uh, we also installed central dust collection in the shop. So there's, so, there's, so this is all in your basement yeah. to be clear. Yeah, your parents decided that you could use the basement as your shop. Yeah. Half, well, like a third of the basement. Yeah. 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 Your basement was pretty big. So yeah. So we, we had this central dust collection system with a, uh, like a, a one horsepower motor, um, pulling air through a cyclone and there were four inch PVC tubes going to each machine. Um, and that was the whole central dust collection. So you kind of didn't answer one of her questions. Like, why are you so into it? I just feel why like, why am I so into it? Yeah. Like wh when did you realize you, you wanted, well, I mean that, that camp uh, was very camp. formative. Yeah, yeah, the camp. And then there were a couple of projects that really enforced it. Um, we had our windows redone. Um, just as I was starting to get into woodworking and the I would always be woodworking or sanding outside or something because it was nice out and uh, the, the the main contractor there bought me uh, a little handsaw and a miter box and I still have that miter box um, little plastic thing that you could probably find it in like five below but it's still a nice memento and so that's that was one moment where I really realized that like I wanted to work with my hands. Mm. Um, and then also this one project that I made my junior year was a replica of a piece of furniture in my grandparents' house. Um, and oh. that, yeah, that captain's cabinet. That spice cabinet. Yeah, that spice cabinet, yeah. Um, so there was this, this chest um, that captains would take on their ships um, when there were still captains on ships. Um, there still are cabinets. Well, yeah, but not change. not not like not in that sense. And they they had these cabinets they would take on and store all their spices in, and I made this replica of it with fancy doors and everything. Mm hmm. So that that was. That was at the time the nicest project I had ever made, and that's kind of what got me the job at the place that I currently work at. And uh, so tell me some. I was uh, you started talking about like your first projects after yeah. this camp, which didn't turn out so well, but. Yeah. Um, what kind of things did you do, or how did you get ideas for projects, like what uh, things to build? You build them furniture for your parents, or <laughs> no? They didn't. They didn't really want any of my furniture until I, until I started to get good. Um, <laughs> the, the first project I made, well, I made it at camp, but it was uh, a box for my Rubik's cubes, um, and it was made out of plywood, which <laughs> was the first check engine light. Wait, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have it here. Um, yeah, the, the, the outside was like three-quarter inch plywood, and the inside was half-inch plywood, and then the bottom was quarter-inch plywood. It was just like all different kinds of plywood. You could see all the screws on the outside. 
I didn't like how difficult it was to grab the cubes, so I kind of chiseled out some notches to, to get your fingers in there. But then I forgot to avoid the screws, so like you can see where I like cut into the screws with the chisel. And then the latches on the box don't really work, and the hinges aren't screwed on straight. <laughs> it was it was truly a. But it's funny you you were twelve. At least yeah. your Rubik's you were cube twelve, was safe. and your Rubik's yeah. cubes are safe from yeah, the elements. Yeah, so. <laughs> so yeah. You know you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you do. And I didn't I didn't really understand that starting that you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. But now, I do realize you got to start somewhere. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually what I wrote my college essay on. It's how I progressed from this really ugly, poorly made Rubik's cube box to this um, spice cabinet. That was really a, a nice piece of work. Mm. So, uh, do you consider yourself a creative person? I do consider myself a creative person. Um, I can't sit down and design furniture, um, but I can sit down and design like machine components. Um, I have a lot of books about furniture design, and one thing that I read in them that stuck out to me was that um, in the beginning when furniture was being created, there were original ideas, but now there is almost never an original idea for furniture. Something is always a, a replica of something, or something's always inspired by another piece. So it's very difficult to come up with original ideas. Because mm. someone's always done it before. I mean, just the idea of a seat is not original, yeah. so... Yeah. That's a little too abstract for this podcast, so... <laughs> nothing's too abs Nothing's too anything for this podcast. Oh, nothing's too much for the Sylvania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, we take on almost anything. Right. Sorry, sorry. We have a podcast on creativity. So, but maybe I won't ask, where does creativity come from? <laughs> Where does it you, come from? You think you inherited from your parents, or it was nurtured, well, or? Um, my mom will be the very first person to tell you that she's not creative. Mm. She's very good at what she does. Um, she's a nurse. We want to have her on, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's she's very good at what she does, and, but she'll be the first to tell you that if I'm a creative person, I didn't get it from her. Um, my dad is the drawer and the designer and the architect of the family. Mm. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely got it from watching him do all the housework around the house as a kid, um, and this camp. This the camp was the was the big thing. Are you gonna talk about meeting the wizards? Oh sure, sure. <laughs> you can ask that. Like, <laughs> you recently met my family. Well, extended family. Yeah, some of them. Well, not extended family. The immediate family, really. No, I mean, they're extended. Well, it's not my extended family. It's my. Immediate family. Your your it's nieces your, and nephews are your extended family. I guess so, but I don't think of it. Like, it's not like that reunion we went to where yeah. there were 500 people. And okay. <laughs> That's my extended family. Well, your family is very small. You're an only I mean, child. I, I never thought I was part of a small family until you I met have, you. Until I like, met you. You have, like, three cousins. It's more like eight. Okay. Well, on both sides, though. It's probably like 15 on both sides. Okay, but you don't know them. Uh, I know, I know, I would say I do know them. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I have a lot of cousins. And you just met my family, so what did you think of them? Uh, very <laughs> rowdy family, but everybody's very nice and welcoming. Yeah. Um, the way I described them is that everybody's a character. Yeah, that's a 
That's probably a more charitable way of putting it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I like Tommy. He's funny. <laughs> He's hilarious. We yeah. want to have him on, too. Yeah. Tommy yeah, we're or going. Tracy, if you're listening. Yeah. Well, I'll be gone by then. Oh, well, you'll, we'll do some in August, right? Yeah. You'll be back. Do you have anything else you want yeah, to say? Yeah, anything you want to add about... You, Should we you talk want... about how we met? Sure. Do you want to talk about that? Well, sure. Oh. Well, I mean, it was at Robotics, and I assume the yellow tutu had something to do with it. No, we met <laughs> a year before that. Oh. You liked me, right? And then I did. I, I was lo- looking at other robots, because um, that's what you do. You go around and talk to other teams, and I saw Bridget. I thought she was cute. Were you a sophomore or a junior? I was a sophomore. Oh, wow. Way back then, huh? Yeah. And then he, we talked for a little, and then I'm like, no. Yeah, right, I, I kind of just I ghosted did, you. I did get ghosted one, one or more times. Yeah, two times. Yeah, mm. two times. And then, then uh, like, a year later, we started dating. Yeah. Did you know that? I, well, I knew you started, yeah, I remember you coming over, like, when, yeah. No, did you, you know the year before? Oh, no. No. no you didn't know I, you didn't know I knew him. Because I oh, thought, really? I was, I thought you were such a dork with your woodworking. And I, I mean, still think I'm you're a, a dork. Yeah, I guess, yeah, no, I still am a dork. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Good old robotics. Mm-hmm. All right, Ethan. Well, good luck at that formula competition. Good Thank luck you. fixing things, and I hope your relays don't weld. But I hope so too. Yeah, that I would hope so be. Too. Keep them open or keep them closed or whatever. Keep them. Keep them opening and closing. <laughs> keep them open and closing. Keep them moving. Yeah. Although we did unweld some of them by like attempting to cycle them multiple times, mm. they got so hot they just unwelded. Yeah, I, I, I don't Too know technical for Sylvania. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to be able to uh, troubleshoot that here. So. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we can try. We'll try anything. <laughs> Let us know. All right. Thanks for listening thanks to for the Sylvania We'll be back next week. Don't worry. The new episode. The new episode. New, maybe a hot topic. Who knows? Oh, I don't know. We kind of fight when we talk about this. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.